This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Several times this morning, as we go into this Easter week, I, I encourage you to begin to just study the scriptures and get in a time of prayer. And I believe with all my heart, it's still going to be a great, great resurrection Sunday next week and Good Friday. So blessings to all of you. I want you to know that we continue to pray for you. Just a few shout outs this morning. Little Faith Segovia, we thank God you're doing well. Um, we pray blessings today over, you know, the Adams family, Chris, you and Cindy, and all the girls with the loss of the grandparents. Blessings to you. Uh, we, we miss seeing all your faces. We still welcome your, your prayer requests. One last shout out, too, is to, to Brock Jones. I hope you've got your Bible open with me again today. And so, blessings to all of you. I'm going to give you a chance to get your scriptures ready. We will start this morning in the book of uh, Ezekiel 22. Then we'll go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and then Mark 11 in that order. And so we'll begin in Ezekiel 22. As you're turning there this morning, uh, you know, our, our Father, he does some of his most stunning work when it seems like mankind is in hopeless situations. And God always desires us to, to move when we pray and he'll intervene. So I, I, I think we're in a time a wake-up call, an alarm clock is going on to us that we, we really, really need to pray. We really, really need to get back to prayer. And we, we have this thought that we don't have to do anything. We can sit back and all this trouble is going to leave. But I believe with all my heart that if we'll continue to pray and seek God, God is greater than the issues we're facing. So two things. Number one, get back to God. And get back to prayer. Now again, I said we're going to start in Ezekiel 22. Before we start today, I, I want to read you a prophecy that a, a man of God named David Wilkerson, who was the pastor of Times Square Church in New York City, he prophesied this in 1986. And he said, I see a plague coming on the world. And the bars, the churches, and the government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and it'll shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles and repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit and out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Now that was in 1986. And so I believe that's very relevant to the time we're living in right now. So begin with me in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 1. Moreover, the, uh, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Now, son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Yes, show her all her abominations. In other words, confront the detestable practices. It's what he's saying. Now, it's interesting right there. He says to judge them of all their detestable practices, the things that they're doing wrong. Verse 3, then say, thus says the Lord God, the city sheds blood in our own midst, that her time may come, the time of doom may come, and she makes idols within herself to defile herself or to be obsessed with herself. 
Now, when you begin to see what he's talking about here, a lot of this will go back to the very scriptures that pertain to the kingdom of God. He gets over to murder, the bloodshed that's, that's being shed in our cities. That's happening. It's happening in America on a daily basis, but also the idols, anything that we begin to put in front of Father God. And so he said, judge them, confront them on these issues. Verse 4. You have become guilty by the blood which you have shed, and you have defiled yourself with the idols which you have made. You have caused your days to draw near and have come to the end of your ears, or to the end of your years. And he says, a, a premature end of your existence. Therefore, I have made you a reproach to the nations. And a mockery to all the, uh, the countries. You become the world's gr greatest joke is what he's talking about there. Verse 5. Those near and those far from you will mock you as infamous and full of tumult. Or you're notorious for chaos. Now what he begins to do, he go, begins to list one thing right after another that their society was guilty of that time. And I believe it pertains to us to this day. The bloodshed, the idols, but before long, if you continue to read this, he goes over into sexual sin. He gets over to sin after sin after sin. And he says, deal with it. Same chapter, verse 23. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, now I'm just going to stop right there for a second. And what you'll begin to see that the prophet Ezekiel, through the, the, the Holy God, he, he deals with all classes of society that are singled out for punishment. The prophets, the priests, the princesses, and even the people. Everybody was included. Verse 24, son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed, or rained on in the day of my indignation. You're not pure and you're not holy. And he says, in my indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in their midst. And so what it gets over here on verse 25 is they devour the innocent. They seize the treasures and they extort the wealth. And so what I believe he's talking about here is literally the breaking it of the commandment, thou shall not covet. And if you note there, he says two things, the treasures and the precious things. The word covet there means to desire or to lust. At the expense of others. Better stated, we wish to have the possessions of others. Now oftentimes when you look in scripture at treasures or the possessions of others, many believe the God of covet becomes the greatest God that tries to take the place that God would be in our life. So now he deals with another one of the Ten Commandments. Verse 26. Her priests have violated my law, and they have profaned my holy things. 
They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy. Better stated, the sacred nor the secular. Nor have they made the difference between the unclean and the clean. And so what he's talking about is here, the priests refuse to teach what's holy and what's not holy. They refuse to tell the people of God what's right and what's wrong. And he goes on to say at the end of verse 26, and they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths so that I have profounded among them or they pull my name down to their level. And so he gets over to another thing. He says, they've profaned my Sabbaths. They've desecrated or ignored my Sabbaths. They refuse to teach my Sabbaths. And so when we get over onto the word Sabbath, remember that was another one of God's commandments. He said, honor me on my Sabbaths. The word Sabbath itself in the Hebrew means to desist, or it better would be stated as this, it's a stewardship of time. It's a dedication to corporate worship. And so we look at this thing called the Sabbaths and we blow it off and we act like it's not that big of a deal, but in reality, it made God's top 10 list. And so what starts taking place is we begin to think, I'll put my idols above the Sabbath. My pleasures, my sporting events, And when I read what he's talking about here over and over, it's the breaking of the Ten Commandments. And I believe this is one of the greatest ones within our churches. And so we have the thought we can make excuses and God will be okay with it. God's not okay with it. God's not okay when you choose to to do sporting events or you go to the lake or you go to play golf instead of honor him on the Sabbath. And so... He gets back over to this in this passage right here, and I believe this is why it's so relevant to our time. Verse 27, her princesses in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Again, it was about money and profit. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar or they whitewashed it with with things that wouldn't sustain them. Seen false visions and divining lies uh, for them saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. And so they begin to, to fabricate things that God never told them to do. Verse 29, the people of the land have used oppressions. They've committed robbery. They've mistreated the poor and the needy. They wrongfully oppressed the stranger. And so guess what we begin to see? One thing right after another. And I believe to a degree it was the exact things that David Wilkerson prophesied about in 1986. And so when I read these first few passages here, I have to ask myself these questions. Do any of those describe me? Again, this is an area where I believe it's a time to to call out to God, but even an area of repentance. And so look what God says in verse number 30. So I sought for a man. A man. I I sought for just the, the one man. I sought for just someone. 
And what was God looking for? A man among them who would make a wall. And when he was talking about making a wall, it wasn't a wall of rock and stones. It wasn't about uh, religious rituals. It wasn't a wall that I, I can preach on my opinion. It wasn't a wall where we teach we love God without living for God. And so the wall he was talking about was he needed someone who built this wall that it would go against the spirituals of dar- or the spirits of darkness. So he goes on to say, "So I sought for a man uh, from among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me." And so when you see the word gap there, it's literally a metaphor or committed to intercession. The word intercession is another, uh, to me it's one of the deepest words for prayer we can get. The word intercession means to stand before God in the place of someone else. To plead or to mediate on behalf of someone else. And so when we get over and we intercede, we grant God the legal right to intervene on behalf of people. So again, God is looking for just that man or that woman who would say, I'll stand in the gap. And I can't allow the price that needs to be paid to make intercession a a passive issue and it will cost you time and it will cost you energy. But look what he goes on to say. One who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. So when I read that, it was like God's on this search. And he's needing a man or a woman on this earth who he can plead through, he can intercede through on behalf of the land. And he goes on to say that I should not destroy it. What a wake-up call. So what I read here, that if, me, uh, if mankind, just a man or a woman, if we don't obey this, our land becomes in jeopardy of God destroying it. And so there is a gap between God and man that intercession tries to repair. God is on a quest. And without that someone in place, the invasion of darkness is going to occur And eventually destruction of the people takes place. And so when you see this right here, God has made it clear that prayer is the the match that lights the fuse that releases the explosive power of the Holy Spirit in our land. God is on a lookout right now. This is why I believe this is so significant here on Palm Sunday. God still enlists men and women that say, Father God, grace me to stand in the gap. Grace me to intercede. And we can blow this off. We can act like we're not in trouble. But we can't continue to look to man. We've got to look to God in this time. And look at how he closes this. But I found no one. But I found no one. He couldn't find one in that season of their time of life. And so I pray right now 
that God wakes us up. And we have this heart today, Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. And so when I say intercessory prayer, that's not just praying for your meal, Father God. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, let's eat. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just your bedtime prayers. I'm talking about that prayer we talked about last week with Hannah, where, where it moved her from her heart. That it comes upon us throughout the day, and I say, Father God, I will give myself to prayer so you'll intervene on behalf of our land. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number four. Chapter number four. Wow. God was on a lookout. He's still on a lookout. He still looks for the, the men and women who will say, Lord, you can use anything today, use me. And you know what? I don't know your history of prayer, but I can tell you this right now. God will use you if you'll, if you'll yield yourself to him. If you say, Father God, I come before you today, use me to pray. I don't care what you're doing throughout the day. Allow God to move with you. Holy Spirit birthed within me a desire to pray. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Now, pay close attention to how the word of God tells us who the great high priest is. Jesus, the son of God. Woo, we got a great high priest. We've got a great high priest. And I want you to remember that. The reason he's called the great high priest is because what he did for me and you. And it says, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast to firmly what we believe. Let us hold fast the confession of faith in him. Hold fast unto this high priest named King Jesus. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, Jesus understands our weaknesses. He understands your weaknesses. He understands my weaknesses. How's that? Keep reading with me. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So every temptation that's an imaginable to mankind, Jesus faced it. He understands what we're going through. And I believe there's a loyalty with his sympathy toward us as believers to say, I understand. So when your weaknesses call out to him, Lord Jesus, this is the area of my life. I'm in weakness right now. Help me. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly. Come without reservation. Come with a cheerful courage. Come fiercelessly. Come confidently to the throne of grace. Not the throne of judgment, but the throne of grace. And so right here he says, come. Guess what Jesus just told us? I'm giving you an invitation to come. 
Why would I come to the the throne of grace? Well, keep reading what this scripture says. Come to the throne of grace. That we, the ones who actually come to the great high priest, may obtain mercy for the past and find grace for the present and the future to help in a time of need. Mercy for our failures and grace to appropriate help in a time of need. Let me ask you something today. We're in a time of need. And we have a great high priest right now who he gave us the invitation. He said, come to the throne of grace. Come to the throne of grace. And so when I picture our heavenly father's throne of grace, it's like there's a big table. And on that table is mercy. There's grace. There's strength. There's wisdom. And it's like he said, in your weaknesses, come to me in this time of help and need. And so my point is here, i got to come in prayer. That's how I come to the throne of grace. Not in this mechanical exercise, but I come to say, Father God, I encounter you. I implore aid on you. The reason I'm highlighting this is to come to the throne of grace is I believe too many of us right now, we're looking to man to do what only God can do. And a sure sign is when we look to man, is when things don't go our way, we start blaming man. We blame the government. We blame the president. We blame anybody we can. But instead of playing a blame game, this isn't a a political war. This is a spiritual war we're involved in. So let's get away from the blame game and let's just be going to go to the throne of grace and say, okay, Father God, we're here to petition you today. We're here to call on you today. I find out the greatest answer to prayer is more prayer. Don't give up on this right here. Make this a decision to say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend time at the throne of grace. I'm going to get on my knees before Father God, and I'm going to look to God, and I'm going to call out to God. And the more I hang out at God's throne of grace, the more my faith soars. It begins to, to drown and starve my doubts. When, when I get around God, man, my faith soars. Get around God. Take the time. All the ages that are watching here today, Now, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter number 11. Mark, chapter 11. And again, I highlight God God never intended prayer to be this mechanical exercise. Man, it's from my heart that I just look to God. Mark, chapter 11. And as you get here, this this is one of the most stunning passages to me in the entire Bible. When I read it, it's almost like, I I, I don't know how this fits in here. But the more I begin to sit on this and allow this to soak within me, I begin to understand the power of prayer in Jesus' eyes. More so this today. The significance of prayer when we actually pray. 
When we actually call out to God, Mark chapter 11, verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem, Jesus and the disciples. Then Jesus went into the temple or the church and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. He began to drive out both of them, those who bought and both of those who sold. And it goes on to say, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And so when I read this, it was like Jesus was saying, get your business out of my church. Now, when I look at verse 15 alone, it would be real quick to come to judgment on the Lord Jesus and say, wait, 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 Mr. Jesus. It's not right for you to get angry. It's not right for you to become irritated at people. It's really not right for you to get physical, Jesus, and start overturning people's tables. Remember, Jesus, you're about love. You're not about being physical like this. And and so when I read this, I, I ask this question. What caused Jesus to become so agitated? This, this to me is, is a wow moment in, in the Bible. I, I, I wonder at this time, when the disciples begin to see Jesus act this way, if they didn't look back and say, wow. Why is Jesus acting this way? Well, again, let's highlight something here. He goes into his house, the church, And he gets upset because it was a place that had become a marketplace. It became a house of merchandise. It better stated, these people within Jesus' church, they begin to prostitute things that were never intended to be that way. And so Jesus wasn't impressed with their religious commercialism. He wasn't impressed with their their value system of what the church was to be. And when you look at this right here, these were people inside the church, but they didn't have the heart of the church. Their true motives were revealed. You know, this wasn't the first time Jesus had done this. In John 2, he did the same thing, except this time, when he drove them out, he took a whip and took a whip after them. And some people would read this and say, whoo, this guy named Jesus, he's got some anger problems. We need, we need to sign you up, Jesus. You need some counseling. Because what you're doing, you're, not, you're sure not walking in love, and you're sure not walking by the Holy Spirit. He would never do that. Remember, Jesus, we're supposed to walk in love. Let's just sit around and tickle each other's back and sing Kumbaya. This was the Lord Jesus. A righteous indignation. Why? 
verse 15 or 16. And he would not allow anyone. And you may put that parenthesis in your Bible. He would not allow anyone to carry wares or goods through his temple. None were exempt. Then he taught saying to them, is it not written? And he quotes the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 56, 7. He quotes the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 7, 11. These are all in there. And he says, my house, the church, the house of the great high priest, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. My house. Not a house of business. Not a house of laughter. Not a house of entertainment. Not a house of who's who among Lubbock. Not a house that we become comedians. Not a house of music, not a house of singing, not a house of preaching, and every one of those have their rightful place, but he specifically said a house of prayer. So was he telling us that my house is no longer a house of prayer? Have we lost the atmosphere, the aroma of prayer within the church? And so I think this is where he's at to this day. I can't override what he said. The barometer of the house of God is a house of prayer. And so we wonder why we come into the position we're in. And so I sense today the Lord Jesus, man, I'm raising the bar. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for ones who will stand in the gap. I'm looking for ones who will spend time on their knees at the throne of grace. I'm looking at ones that actually go to prayer, uh, to, 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 to the house of God to pray. Do you know the apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 2.8, he said, I desire everywhere that, that holy men lift hands in prayer. Now what would happen if we begin to do this and say, Father God, we call out on you. We call out to you right now on behalf of the great Jehovah. We call out, we plead with you, we intercede with you on behalf of our nation. See, again, we have this thought that everything's just going to resolve itself on its own. Man, God has always looked to partner with mankind in prayer. Well, I, I've never done that. Well, maybe it's time we start. Go with me to, to the book of Psalm, chapter 27, and I'm going to end with this today. The 27th Psalm. I find myself doing this more and more, just praying. These, these have been a couple weeks of an incredible journey in my home just as far as our time of prayer. It's like when I wake up in the morning, the Lord just puts in my heart and says, allow me to pray through you today. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, I, I encourage you, say, Lord, grace me today to pray in the Spirit all day. 
And what will begin to happen, you'll begin to sense the heart of God moving through you. And so this is no mystery. God has always used mankind to pray. Psalm 27, verse, verse number 4. The heart of King David. When I read this passage right here, it's just another indication to me why God called David a man after his own heart. And King David said in verse 4, one thing. Just one thing. Not, not a smorgasbord of things. Just, just one thing. And so what I see right here is King David, is, is he's changed his focus. He's narrowed his focus and he said, just one thing. I have desired of the Lord. Just one thing I seek from the Lord that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Woo, he said, I, I want to come into the house of the Lord. And why did he want to come into the house of the Lord? All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and in to inquire in his temple. You know what King David said? I want to live so close to Father God. I want to dwell in his house. I want to be so close to him that I take pleasure in him, but I want to be so close to him that he takes pleasure in my prayers. And he ended that and says that, that I, I can inquire in his temple. I want to come to his house to pray. I want to come to his house to call upon him. Well, I realize right now that many of you's living room has become your, your temple. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, that's where the Lord's at. This is the temple of God today. And so what would happen here today if I begin to narrow my focus? And I said, Lord, this is my desire. I, I want to hang out with you. I, I want to be in your presence. I, I want to pray. I want to stand like uh, any other time in my life. And so right, right there where you're at today, I go back to what we started with. And it's interesting to me that the, the prophet Ezekiel He was reminded about a nation that was out of, out of control because of all their sins. See, every one of us have sinned. Every one of us. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. See, the question isn't if I've sinned. The question is, do I take responsibility and I say, Father God, I repent. I repent. And I highlight that because of one of the, the prophetic utterance through David Wilkerson's, one of the things he said, that there would be godly men that would sit behind these pulpits and, and they would tell people, it's a time to repent. It's a time to, to humble ourselves and come before him. And I look and think, 
Do I have innocent blood on my hands? Have, have I coveted to the things of the world? Have I got sexual sin in my life? Have I abused the Sabbath? And if I have, I come before God and I repent. And then guess what our Father's doing today? He's still enlisting men and women to say, Grace me to be a gapper today, Lord. Grace me to stand in the gap. Grace me to, to plead to you on behalf of a nation, a people. And Father God, grace us to come back to the Bible today. Grace us. So right there where you're at, I'm, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you may be watching today and you say, I, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. Or maybe you're at a state where you say, man, I've drifted from the things of God. I've been hard-hearted. I've allowed, I've allowed my flesh to dominate me. And Jesus does love you. And he's welcomed you back. So right there where you're at, just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I, I take full responsibility for my actions and my choices today. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me and be Lord of my life. I receive you as my great high priest. And Lord, I come to the throne of grace today and I ask that you put within me a, a new heart that will not only love you, that, that I love you with all my heart, but I desire to obey you. I desire to live by the word. I desire for you to come into my heart. Fill me with the spirit of God today. Grace me, Lord, to obey you and become an intercessor. I'm going to highlight this today. Not only does our God forgive, our God graces, and our God heals. So if there's any sickness in your body right now, I stretch my hand toward you. And in Jesus' name, we pray healing into your bodies, your home, against fever, against coughs, against sore throat, against blindness, against disease in any form. If you've had a spirit of fear upon you right now, we stretch our hand before you in the name of Jesus, and we tell you, you got to go. And so, Lord, we ask right now, you light a fire within us, stir up faith within us. And, Lord, we pray your blessings as I leave this platform today. Bless the house of God. Bless the people of God. And all you that are going to work this week, we pray protection on you. We pray blessing on you. And I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night at the drive-in theater or back here live stream next Sunday. As we go out, our praise and worship team's going to sing. God bless Thank you, you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.